Welcome to Small Business Big Network, the podcast for small business owners who want big results from their networking. I'm Liz Drury, a freelance voiceover artist who knows that if you're not working, then networking could help. Becky Ray is the founder of Culture Kick, a business that supports companies to achieve high-performing culture. Becky says that it's okay to feel comfortable with feeling a bit uncomfortable about networking. This episode is very kindly being sponsored by MagicMind.com. They produce the little green shots that help you to be more focused and more productive. And to find some special offers for Magic Mind, check out the show notes. Thank you very much for being my guest on the podcast today, Becky. You are very welcome, Liz. Now, you now run your own business, uh, helping business leaders with their performance, but your background is in something quite different. So tell me what your first two careers were before you came to be doing what you do now. No worries. So, yeah, I kind of started my career off um, as an engineer. So I did an apprenticeship and I used to kind of drive a white van, wear overalls Mm. and boots, and used to fix forklift trucks and big, like, earth-moving equipment. And I did that for around 10 years, but... What it means is I've got a real empathy for kind of the frontline hazard-facing worker kind of perspective. And in my kind of role now, I kind of bring their kind of perspective, their voice up to the leadership team to kind of bridge that gap that's often um, in place in businesses. Yeah, and I believe from there you went on into health and safety. Tell tell me something about that career. So I don't know why, but I seem to do careers for 10 years. So I did 10 years... (laughs) As an engineer, a nice round, succinct number, and then 10 years as a health and safety profession. And now I'm in my kind of third um, kind of career path as a, as a business owner and as a consultant. So what kind of industries did you do health and safety consulting for? Yeah, so I worked um, in kind of sort of high-risk kind of safety-critical industries, so like construction, rail, manufacturing, military aviation, those kind of those kind of environments. And I can imagine that there weren't too many other women doing that. No, there weren't, to be fair. And I think times are changing now. I think there's there's a lot more opportunity and a lot more businesses are, are, are open and encouraging of, of women to come into those roles. But unfortunately, traditionally and stereotypically, it has been quite a male sort of populated environment. But I think times are changing, um, but it is a little bit slow for my liking. I want to kind of accelerate that. Yeah. a bit more and are those kinds of careers something that you would, would recommend to other women oh yeah definitely I, I don't believe that there's any barrier that stops anybody from doing the kind of job they want and businesses also have a duty to make kind of reasonable adjustments mm. and make jobs accessible and open to, to all kinds of people yeah so what was it that attracted you to those sorts of industries in the first place I think again because I started off kind of as engineer as a hands-on physically working with my hands and tools and stuff. I've always been the kind of person that wants to know how stuff works. And mm. as a kid, I did kind of take stuff <laughs> take stuff apart. I think my dad had an old like Betamax video yeah. player that I, he wasn't using, so I took it to pieces to see what was inside it. <laughs> and so what was it that made you leave that environment and, and go and start up on your own? Yeah, so I think the idea was brewing for a while. And obviously it's easy to look back retrospectively and think oh this all kind of connects together to put me in a good place to then be able to be an effective consultant and bring together my expertise and experience but it all kind of kicked off when 
COVID started, to be fair. Mm. Um, I lost the position I had at a big construction firm because, as you know, lots of, lots of companies had to, had to make changes yeah. to their workforce. And that gave me the real push that I needed to go, maybe this is the right time. And it was. And I, and I managed to get some opportunities straight away off the bat. And I'm now into my fourth year of running my business. Yeah. So tell me about your business and, and what it is you do and who it is you help. Brilliant. So my business is called Culture Kick. And I frame everything I do around this notion of developing a high performing culture. And that means that kind of people and businesses are set up to be successful. So, for example, if you're a helicopter engineer, you need the information, the tools, and you need the kind of autonomy to go forth and just go and fix helicopters. So Mm. businesses need to give people what they need so they can be successful. Yeah. So how would you describe a high-performing culture? What, What is it? Yeah, so I've, I've kind of put my, I mean, I had a framework, but I kind of felt like a framework was a bit boring. So I've put it into a cake. Yeah. So I've got a culture cake. Um, and from kind of stuff I've pulled from over the years, loads of different resources, um, this culture cake has got five layers. So mm. I'll just quickly go through the five. Yeah. So the first one is all about making it easy. So like what I just described with the helicopter um, engineer, let's make it easy for people to do what they do best. Mm. And that also comes with understanding human errors and error traps and what we call organisational drift, where stuff changes over time. Mm. The second one is all about speaking up. So giving people the platform and the ability to be able to speak up and share not only their ideas and innovation, but their concerns and their frustrations. Mm. Um, The third one is about this frustrations into focus. So what is getting in the way of people doing what they do best because people want to get up in the morning and come to work and do a good job Mm. and feel satisfied and fulfilled so if something's frustrating them then we should do something about it because it's going to benefit everyone and then the last two are all about learning so learning from failure because businesses are going to fail and people are going to fail but how we respond to that and how we reframe that as an opportunity to learn Mm. and get better will improve the culture And then the final piece is about let's not just wait for a failure to learn. There's stuff we can learn from everyday normal work. Mm -hmm. But having the appetite and the and the time and the reflection to go, what happened today? What went well? What didn't? What can we tweak and adjust to do this task next week different or better or faster or safer or more efficiently? Yeah. Um, And enabling people to, to do that and make those changes. Yeah. So what kinds of uh, businesses are you, are you working with? So a big, big variety. So I think, and I know you're keen to talk about networking. So my network obviously comes from the kind of industries I describe. So mm. I naturally know a lot of people there. So lots of my clients are kind of construction, manufacturing, utilities, that kind of space. But I know that what I do and the way I help people um, can actually be translated into any industry. You don't have to be a high risk safety critical one because everybody can set people up for success make it easy enable people to speak up and share their frustrations and and to learn yeah so how do businesses know that they could be making things better and and what is it that's holding them back from doing that 
Again, so businesses need to be in a position where they're probably doing all right. They're probably doing quite well, but there's there's a, there's an appetite for actually this could be a this could be better. Maybe there's a few grumbles or a few kind of noises from the workforce. There are things that are getting in people's way, and people aren't quite sure what to do about that and how to approach it, and which things to focus on first. Maybe they are having some failures. It might not be a big accident, but maybe you're getting customer complaints or quality issues, and you think we kind of need to look at where we can do better. And engaging with the people that work in your workforce, and again, giving them a voice is one great way to understand that and then move to this place of a high-performing culture where people are set up to be successful and then your business is going to benefit and your customers and stakeholders likewise. Yeah. So how do you work with your clients? Do you physically go into the business? So there's a variety of things we do, but our kind of bigger packages where we use this culture cake to bring all the elements to life normally takes kind of a three-phased approach. So the first phase is discovery. So I will go in and understand the business and be a fresh pair of eyes and observe and speak to people and understand Mm -hmm. what it looks like for them. And maybe some of the problems may come out in those conversations to give us a few starting places. Mm -hmm. Then I do kind of a delivery phase, which does look like sort of training, workshops, take people away from their day jobs for a few hours or a few days, depends on how you want to do it. And I will offer up a load of kind of ideas and theories and tangible things people can do and consider. And then they kind of go back to their workplace and try some stuff. And then I kind of hang around Mm -hmm. for some months after and they Mm -hmm. come back to me. And I offer this kind of follow-up support piece where it's kind of coaching, mentoring, Mm -hmm. Um, because I can't change their culture for them. Yeah. Um, I have to empower them to have some ideas, to align some of the theory that I might bring to them, to go and do some stuff, try some stuff. I like the term micro-experiment. Go and try that and see how it works mm-hmm. with your team, your bit of your department, and then come back to me and let me know you got on. And then also, I facilitate all of those leaders to kind of share with each other. Yeah. So say you work in the finance department, you're going to go and try something with your team. We'll then be in a meeting where you're talking to the person who runs the operations side of the business. And they're like, well, we did this and this worked really well. So I kind of facilitate that collaborative learning approach throughout that team of people that have been through the workshops. Yeah. And so what kinds of changes have you seen companies make and what sort of results are your clients getting? Yeah, I mean, everyone wants results. Of course they do. But the thing with culture change is it's more of a journey rather than a destination. Mm-hmm. And naturally stuff is, this often gets, it gets seemingly worse before it gets better because people start talking, people start being more open, people stop sharing stuff. So it may look kind of, if you're just looking at stats and numbers, it may look like it's getting worse before it gets better because culture change is such a journey mm. and you never, you never really achieve it you're just getting steps closer to it but I think maybe if you did like employee engagement surveys you would see like an increase in that you'd see an increase in like productivity and efficiency um, less complaints less accidents less um, failures in that sense Um, but the biggest kind of tangible one is is people say that it feels different Mm. feels different to work here because I now feel like my voice, my opinion, my perspective 
matters. I yeah. feel like something's being done. I feel like leaders are listening to me. And the biggest one, because I, I had a coaching conversation this morning with a leader, is that people are asking better and different questions of each other. Mm. So say you're in a meeting discussing a new project that's happening, more people feel empowered to go, oh, but what about that? Or, oh, when we did that last time, that happened. So people feel like they're asking better questions and they're solving problems before they come to fruition. Yeah, yeah. Now, high performance presumably means that uh, that, that focus is important for people. Yeah. Do you have any, any tips for helping people with their focus or, or concentration? Um, so, yeah, I mean, high performance, it, it can be interpreted loads of different ways and it I mean different things to different leaders and different business. But, yeah, focus is definitely an element of that. And as and we have to remember that people in your business are human beings. They're not robots mm. um, and they are they are fallible and they'll make mistakes. Um, and we need to be looking after the, the people in our business. So my stuff also kind of goes into the kind of stress and health and well-being and those kind of aspects so look after people as people and focus naturally comes into that so if you're if you're doing like an eight hour shift and you've got loads and loads of stuff on then you're not going to be effective and focused for eight Mm. hours so Mm. finding a way to give people that autonomy and empower them to go actually you can plan your own time so work in a way which works for you whether you're working in big little chunks or you're working collaboratively with other people so I think it's it's down to a personal preference and, and empowering people in your team to go, what works for you? If the business needs you to achieve these things, how is that going to work for you? What hours do you want to work? Mm-hmm. What days do you want to work? Where do you want to work? Giving people that, that freedom to choose what works for them. Yeah. Well, something that I've been trying over the last few days that's supposed to help with focus, it's um, it's this little green shot that's called Magic Mind okay. um, that I've been drinking at breakfast time and it helps you be more productive and, and focused because it, oh. it contains all sorts of active ingredients but including things like nootropics from, from um, lion's mane mushrooms, that's one of the ingredients. Oh. And um, so just today, for example... I've had something on my to-do list for absolutely ages, which was to complete an application for um, an awards, business awards. Nice. And finally, I got around to doing it today. And actually, once I put my mind to it and I was able to focus, I did it in an hour. And I've been putting that off for ages. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, just something like that can sort of help with concentration. Yeah, um, definitely. And, and so, often, it's like, have you heard the phrase, eat the frog first? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, get it out of the way. <laughs> get it out of the way. Yeah, yeah. and often something you think is going to take you ages and be really difficult is not. It isn't. The one thing I do, that, and you probably did when you did that form, is I time myself. If I've got a task to do that I've been putting off, mm, yeah. I'll time myself to prove, actually... It did only take me 30 minutes. Yes. Yep. You're um, absolutely right. Yes, yeah, yeah. there's loads of cool tips and tricks like that. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, my podcast, this episode, is very kindly being sponsored by, by, by Magic Mind, who um, nice. have sent me some of these shots to try out. And, um, you know, it definitely helps with you know, getting into a flow state and yeah. just being able to concentrate and get, get stuff out of the way and off yes. the to-do list. So, um if any of my listeners are interested in trying out Magic Mind, they've got a special offer on at the moment till the end of January, where if you subscribe for three months, then you get one month free. Um, and also, if you use my special code, you get an extra 20% off. Um, so magicmind.com forward slash 
Jan SBBN is to get your one month free. Um, and the extra 20% is the code SBBN20. I will put both those things in the show notes, so no need to try and scribble nice. it down and remember But it. do they taste nice, Liz? Do you know, I looked at it and thought, oh, what's that going to taste like? Cause it's is kind it of a funny green colour? It's green, yeah. yeah. It's actually quite nice, and I actually oh, nice. quite look forward to drinking it now. And this morning, okay. I actually forgot to take it with my breakfast, so I took it with my dog walk, and I drank it okay. while I was walking my dog around the field. <laughs> so, wow. They're only little, so it yeah. doesn't take much drinking. But, uh, oh, nice. Well, keep us yeah. posted on how you go with them. Yeah. I'd like to try them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, if you buy before the end of January, okay. <laughs> you get some for free. So it. let's... Um, Let's return to the networking now. You did mention your network yes. a, a bit ago. So is networking something that you, you do intentionally for your business? So it is now, and that's quite a new thing. I'd say this, I say this year, it's last year. <laughs> um, in 2023, I kind of did a real conscious effort to do it. So I think I was, I was lucky enough to get enough work to sustain me for the first three years just on my existing network mm. alone. And I, and I think LinkedIn is a great platform for that because yeah. if anyone, like, I think I've been on LinkedIn for years and years and years. I naturally got on it when it first came out and my kind of profile sort of sat lying quite dormant there when I worked in a business yeah. and only really when I became um, kind of my, my own business did I go, oh, I'm just going to see who I'm connected with because you naturally meet people in loads of different scenarios and LinkedIn's a great way to connect to people that you've worked with previously in previous organisations because, as you know, life goes on. It's hard to stay mm -hmm. connected to people, but it's a great way to, to have those connections that, again, people know you, people know what you're about, what's important to you, and then you can kind of reach back out and go, oh, check in, how, how are you doing? Are you still at such and such? What are you up to now? How's the family? Um, and then you'll naturally get work, you can get work that way from, mm -hmm. from existing contacts. Um, but I made a conscious effort to do more networking this year. So I went to a few kind of in-person membership groups. And it is quite daunting when you first go. It's a mm. bit like speed dating, but <laughs> for your business. And it means you get good at explaining what you do and who you do. And I think over a few sessions, I really refined what it was. And I yeah. probably changed how I said it yeah and I've and I tried a few because they're all slightly different mm -hmm. um and I joined one this year called the business growth network because they just seem like a really friendly bunch yeah so I've now joined um and I pay like a monthly fee and you can go to any of the in-person events so I naturally go to the Bristol one because I live and work in Bristol but I can go to sort of Cardiff and Gloucester they're all over the the country and they do an online one. And then you just get to talk to people just over a coffee, really casually. And what I found is I, I may be talking to someone and I'm not going to be their client mm -hmm. and they're not going to be my client. But if we get to know each other and have that mutual respect and understand each other's businesses, then I'm going to recommend that person and their business yeah. if I'm in a room and an opportunity comes up for them. Yeah. And likewise, people will naturally do that for you. But it's about building that relationship, that real authentic relationship with somebody first. Um, and that's the power of a network. Absolutely. So is it something that you encourage your clients to do as well? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and um. And you can, and lots of them, you can kind of bring guests along as well. So I try and kind of tag a friend along. Go, come on, you can like come and do this sort of speed networking with me. 
because it's a real confidence builder as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so do you feel much less daunted now that you've done it a few times? Yes, definitely. And it and it's and I, I still get that feeling, but I now know that it's okay to be comfortable with being uncomfortable because there's so much benefit to it. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And then the, sorry, the other thing I wanted to mention is I also joined a membership called the Vivid Business Club. Mm. And I mentioned to a lady called Claire Hill and she runs that and that's um, a membership full of kind of um, business owners um, and you kind of can network that way but it's kind of all kind of helping each other all lifting each other up yeah it's a really supportive way especially if you're a small business and maybe it's just you or a small team it's nice to have that support network yeah um, maybe you've got a question on IT or finance or a bit of software or a product or whatever it might be, you can ask someone else in the membership and they're like, oh, I've tried that, I've done that. Yeah. This is what I suggest. Yeah. So I think, you know, when you're a small business owner, it, it can be quite a lonely place. But yeah. like you say, networking, everyone's kind of in the same boat, but they've all yeah. got different experiences and different skill sets. And you're bound to be able to find the answer to your questions. Though. Yes. Yeah, you're not on your own. That's the kind of motto for that. So yeah. where do you network then, Liz? What's your kind of go-to... So I'm based in North Lincolnshire, yep. so I go to meetings that are local to me. Um, mm-hmm. For example, the uh, the Business Hive, which is based okay. in Scunthorpe and Grimsby, they have in-person meetings. But I nice. do quite a bit online as well because yeah. Yeah, with, with my business, I'm not geographically restricted yes. at all. So yeah. I can, you know, it makes sense to network with people in you know, other places. Yeah, definitely. So, Becky, what are your plans then for your business for 2024? So, yeah, so I kind of, um, the latter part of last year, I kind of really defined and developed this culture cake and I've turned it in kind of a a big package of work. So I've got a few clients that I'm talking to, to kind of get them on board with doing that. And I'm really excited to do it because it's a long, it's a long piece of work with regular kind of touch points. And I like working with a client for a long piece of time because I get to see them grow and develop. I don't want to just jump in, do a workshop and then never see them again I really want to partner with them Mm -hmm. so that's a big focus and then I've got kind of nine smaller half day workshops that I like to do in person but I think to really maximize on the opportunity I'm going to turn some of those into online kind of pre-recorded self-paced versions Mm. so again I get to reach people outside of my geographical kind of area so I'm going to explore that and I've got no idea how to do it but I'm excited <laughs> to try and to learn I'm sure you'll and meet someone at a networking meeting that yeah, can help you yeah of course I will <laughs> um but I'm really excited to to do that um and then I'm also going to launch at some point this year um a membership mm. so to kind of get people so leaders people inside businesses that want to start on this journey towards high performing culture but they're not sure where to start or where to go. And maybe they can't commit to a big programme yet with Culture Kick. Um, that person or a couple of people in that organisation can join the membership, hang out with me. Um, I can kind of give them some tips and tricks and also collaborate with other people in the membership. Sounds fantastic. So if any of my listeners want to get in touch with you or find out more about Culture Kick, what's the best place for them to contact you? So I'm really active on LinkedIn. So you can find me under Becky Ray or Culture Kick. Um, But I've also got a website. So www.culturekick.co.uk. 
Um, but what I love more than anything is like what we're doing now, Liz, is let's just have a chat, whether yeah. that's on the phone or on a video call. I'd much rather build a relationship with someone, have a chat. Um, even if I can't help you, I just love love chatting and meeting to new people. And, and again, that's networking in itself. Yeah, um, So, yeah, reach out um, on LinkedIn or on my website. There's a form you can fill in to make an appointment with me. And I'd love to talk to people inside businesses. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. And uh, the best of luck for 2024. Yeah, and you, Liz. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Small Business Big Network. If you found this podcast useful, please do rate, review and subscribe. And don't forget to share it with the rest of your network too.